Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me today is none other than the fantastic host from the Myth Monsters podcast. It's the one and only Erin. Erin, welcome to Chatsunami. Thank you so much. Hello. How are you doing tonight on this very, very hot day, which I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a bit cooler. Please (laughs) Oh, please. I I pray. I'm praying. (laughs) Yes, other than just absolutely roasting alive, the joyous UK heat is, you know, joyous. (laughs) But otherwise, groovy and very excited to chat. Oh, yeah, because you and I were, of course, talking about it before we came on, you know, as you do, (laughs) as you arrange interviews, of course. Yeah, yeah. And throughout the entirety of Eurovision as well, I feel like we were, me, you and another podcaster, I cannot remember who they were, I think it was Nerdstalgic, the three of us were just like batting off each other throughout Eurovision, which is a uniquely European perspective and take on the one day in May that we have. (laughs) Oh god, absolutely. I was watching it with my family and they must have just been like, Satsu, who are you texting? And I'm just like, nope, no time. Gonna put my (laughs) opinion out there to say that Finland were robbed. <laughs> they were. I have cha 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 on repeat on a consistent basis. It's just such a jam. And actually, I really liked Austria as well. I thought they were fantastic and I feel like they were robbed as well. There were so many good ones this year though. Mm. I mean, Belgium, I absolutely loved just purely because it was very much like a boy band aesthetic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it was Estonia as well. Who was the piano player? That was Estonia. Yeah, was you're that right. Estonia? Yeah, she was brilliant <laughs> as well, but yes. there was just so many great acts. And don't get me wrong, Sweden was great and I'm saying this for legal reasons in case there's any (laughs) Swedish listeners being like, oh, oh, don't you come to Stockholm? (laughs) Don't you show your face around here? It was fine. I think it was fine. But I'm not mad about the fact that potentially it was a little bit hoiked so that they could have the 50th anniversary of ABBA. I'm not mad about it. How could I be? ABBA. I mean, I remember I went to Stockholm once a couple of years ago. I think 2017 was the last time, you know, before the dark times of the 2020s, (laughs) of course. But I went over with a friend and remember we were on the bus going somewhere. And I kid you not, there was like the ABBA experience or like the ABBA (laughs) museum. All of these middle-aged people just lined up and had I was like, yeah, they know the target audience here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love a bit of ABBA myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not yet middle-aged, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a message to future me being like, you just had to say it, didn't you? You just <laughs> had to date the episode. <laughs> And to be honest, every time I go into London now, I go past the ABBA experience stadium thing with the AI stuff. And every time I'm like, I really should go and see that. <laughs> but it's just an AI version of them. I don't understand why anyone's going, but I so would go. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? Because last time I was in London, and that was a couple of months ago, funny enough, just for like a holiday, but I was down there. And the only experience I saw, and I didn't go in because I was like, what the hell? But it was the Shrek experience. <laughs> 
oh my god yeah i've not been but it looks amazing <laughs> yeah i've heard good things and i ran out of time to go see it but i was like oh that looks very very interesting <laughs> the the shot is amazing it's the only bit i've been in because i refuse to buy a ticket for it because i'm like i don't know what this is and i feel like i would be the only adult there without a child i went in the store and there's like the most ridiculous things shrek mugs all of this kind of things and i'm pretty sure there's like a rude section as well where they've got you know like typical hen party things yeah, yeah they had loads of those but just like right next to shrek's face and i was like someone in product or something in this store knows exactly what they're doing and what audience they are trying to get involved in this and i am part of that audience <laughs> you know i wasn't sure whether i believed you but then i saw his face now i'm a believer <laughs> you know exactly and the penis pastor is calling to me <laughs> Oh, actually, speaking of that, I remember this was ages ago. I was on holiday somewhere. And you know how always, without fail, you always get one of those tacky touristy shops. Oh, yeah. Everything's like coated in whatever country you're in, flag and everything. And you always get like the very rude and crude. And I remember there was like this row of these lighters that were just basically naked men and women's bodies. (laughs) And I think I was with my brother at the time. I remember we were looking and I just turned around to him. I'm like, who would buy that? You know, I'm, I'm like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> then two seconds later, this guy comes out of nowhere, this tourist, grabs one of them, turns around to his partner and goes, oh, look, look, boobies. Oh. And I was like... <sighs> Was he a Brit, by any chance? Probably. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> he definitely had the accent, so I'm going to go out and a limb here and say, probably. <laughs> it's always us, isn't it? It's always yeah. us. So embarrassing. But I would do the same. <laughs> I've got a bottle opener that I bought in Malta, and it is just of a phallus with piercings and a corset on and it's got nothing to do with Malta but I was like this is great I'm gonna remember this forever and it's still to this day I think I got that in like 2016 it's still my primary bottle opener in my house and it horrifies me every time I open my drawer I'm like oh god (laughs) oh yeah but oh yeah I did that yeah (laughs) but it's amazing when you open your drawer and you're just like oh yeah 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 and it reminds you stark in the face that you were once a teenager and had really really questionable ideas (laughs) i was gonna say the ravages of time comfort us all (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly especially for our maturity although (laughs) then again i've got the sense of humor of a child sometimes oh same i was saying this on twitter the other day i don't know if you saw it but i was out with my partner and we were going for something like very boring you know we're going for dog food or you know something like that and i passed by this burger van that was called License to Grill. And for the next five oh, minutes, I was just, yeah, I, I was just chuckling to myself. I was just like, ah, License to Grill. <laughs> it didn't help. I was like singing that at the top of my lungs coming home, but that, that's beside the point. Yeah, obviously. That's the only reasonable thing to do. Exactly. <laughs> I've got a License to Grill. What can I say? <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Going back to podcasting, which I have to admit does keep me away from such (laughs) such punnage as it were. (laughs) So as I was saying at the beginning, you are, of course, the host of a very fantastic podcast called the Myth Monsters Podcast. I am. Thank you. I've got to ask, is it correct in saying that you started this around March 2021? Yes, it was indeed. Post-pandemic. Or I say post-pandemic. Post the big bit, I guess. But it was when... I think 
think we were still in lockdown of some ilk when I kicked it off and I was just really bored. It was a good way to kind of get through the fact that I was on my own all the time, I suppose. But yeah, I think it was lockdown at the time. I was going to say it's like the after party of the lockdown. (laughs) That's my whole life, it feels like now. Because a lot of creators that I talk to on the podcast usually say that they created or started their work, whether it be streaming or the podcast or things like that, they usually started during the pandemic, Mm. which seems to be quite a common thing. I mean, hands up, myself included, I started this (laughs) in November time, and Mm. it was an offshoot of the streaming aspect that I've done. I've got to say, I prefer podcasting because it's just a way you just sit down, you talk about what you want. And then you just turn off the mic and be like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. And I'm exactly the same. I haven't tried my hand at streaming, but my partner used to be in streaming quite a lot. And it was just not something I wanted, mainly because as well, it's live. And I think that freaks me out a lot more. But this is very much, you know, it's a controlled environment. And especially with my stuff, it's very much like I go away, do the research, write up my stuff, and then just read it back to myself. So you've got like a certain amount of control whilst with streaming you know you've got a chat and you've got all of these little bits that aren't controlled by you you know this massively makes me sound like a control freak which I do confirm that I probably am (laughs) but I think podcasting is really good for that really nice as you said being able to turn something off and walk away from it it's quite nice I mean with streaming you've got so many things to think about like as you said you've got the chat you've got random widows in the chat being like (laughs) oh I want to play this game with you or I want to do that so you're like no go away you've got the setup itself is it going to stream is it not is mm-hmm. it going to be a Russian roulette that day you've got all these things whereas really for podcasting all you really need is audacity in the microphone and then that's it <laughs> and we both have loads of that pal <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> We've got it in spades, as it were. Okay, absolutely got it. Right in the cupboard, you know. Absolutely. Of. But speaking of that, as you said, you script a lot of your episodes. You do a lot of solo episodes. Mm. Do you prefer doing it that way? Yes, I think so. I think for me, I think it is that control thing, but I think it's also, I like the concept and like even to go back to doing something like streaming as well, the idea of being able to put something into the ether and not really have to worry about it in the sense that I don't live my podcast life waiting for views to happen if they happen they happen if they don't they don't and I'm okay with that and I think with streaming it's so you know if you're sitting there live and you're playing a video game and you're trying to like split your attention between figuring that out as well as figuring out a chat or like even seeing if there are watchers I guess I think that's quite difficult with that kind of thing and with podcasts I just find it so much easier and in terms of doing it solo I think it was just the easiest thing for me at the time but but over time, I have done a lot of guest spots and it's been a really nice change. I haven't breached into doing guest spots on my own yet, but it's mainly, and I'll be honest, because I don't know how to do the logistics of it. <laughs> it's pure laziness. That's all it is. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by Zaycat <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's it. I know this exists now. So I'm very much like, oh, this could work. But also I think, you know, I said to you before we started, I'm a massive chatterbox. And I feel like if I was doing an interview on my side, I would just end up talking for like 90% of it and be like, I'm so sorry. I have given you a platform and I've completely not given you the platform. <laughs> so, and that's what I'm always conscious of. So it's just not something I've gathered the balls to do yet, but I'm sure it's in the future somewhere. But for the moment, it's nice to be able to like knuckle down, get a script written, record it and just plop it out to the ether and see what happens. It's worked for me so far. And yeah, I, I enjoy it. Well, you do a fantastic job at your solo episodes, but I was going <laughs> to say, if you do have like a guest or a co-host or something, I was going to say, don't introduce them as like monsters. <laughs> oh yeah, here's our representative Minotaur this week. <laughs> here's our Kelpie of the day, you know. Oh, you know what though? If someone was on board for that, I would totally do that. I'd be like, oh, here, here comes the, the world serpent. <laughs> slithering their way into our podcast oh i so would do that as well don't you give me terrible ideas <laughs> you're just thinking of the soundboard now aren't you just the SS legitimately how many jokes can i make about slithering with a snake episode <laughs> that's and to be fair if want to do solo ones any way i can get a joke or a jingle in i'll do it so i wouldn't trust me coming on and being a guest on my thing i'd end up throwing in so many jokes and be like oh i'm so sorry it's <laughs> just what happens worth it i mean to be fair you could always get your guests to sign like a punability <laughs> clause or you a know waiver. a jokey clause <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to personify you as the monster this week. So okay, great. Thank you, bye. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> oh dear. No, but that'll be cool, though, if you ever do. But I mean, as I said, I'm not just saying it because you're on, and I say this <laughs> to everyone, it's like, no, just because you're on and I'm talking to you just now. But no, you do an absolutely fantastic job, and you do it in such a bite-sized way oh, as well. You. I mean, it's not like me, I ramble for absolute Britain <laughs> um, when it comes to these, and you know, talking about things and I always say to my friends or co-hosts I'll be like ah this will be a short one you know especially a couple of weeks ago we filmed one called I think it was like our Pixar mm. film tier list and we're like okay this will be a very very short one you know we're just going to spend a couple of minutes on these films and you know we'll rank them it'll be fine you know it'll be fine and narrator's note it was not (laughs) (laughs) by any means because the raw footage i mean if you see it or listen to it it's about an hour 30 odd gosh yeah but that episode like the raw footage was two and a half hours oh my god (laughs) yeah incredible i feel as if that is probably the most i've ever cut from an episode (laughs) because usually i try not to cut too much unless it's obviously repetition Mm. filler words your ums your Likes your ear nose, you know. <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't know about you, but I am such a perfectionist when it comes to editing. Yes. You know, that way. Like, are you the same? Yeah, absolutely. I cannot stand its mouth noises really bother me. And it's not even my own really bother me, don't get me wrong. But it's even like if I'm scrolling on TikTok and someone's just talking and I hear a mouth noise, I'm immediately like, I cannot watch anymore. It bothers me so much. And I've only noticed it since I started podcasting that people make 
mouth noises and it really bothers me but I try and take those out and I always take I actually try and take out as many breaths as I can for me because I obviously edit all of my stuff really intensely as well I don't let myself say ums ahs all of those kind of things I just will stop myself before I get to a point where I'll hesitate if that makes sense no I'm absolutely the same (laughs) I always remember when I started out one of my other friends was starting a podcast as well at the same time in fact started a couple months before and that's kind of what inspired me to do this Mm. so you can blame him (laughs) he was like oh you should leave the ums the uh you know not all of them but maybe just a couple for it to seem human you know natural yeah human natural (laughs) and i remember listening back to like the old ones and there's a couple of breath noises there's a couple of ums as and i just i grip my teeth and i go why did i listen (laughs) why why this is absolutely ridiculous yeah (laughs) it's gotten to the point where i have been sorely tempted if i do get a break between seasons i'm like that's it i'm gonna go for the best episodes and just you know cut them up again and (laughs) re-upload them i'm like i can't do it the worst thing was for me especially was we used to do the first season live on twitch Mm. and we used to record it over discord so as you can imagine it's not like this yeah as if i'm picking up zencaster tonight apologies it's not like a two-track audio it was just the one so if i was talking and then one of my friends decided oh i'm gonna eat a sandwich mid-recording which is more common than you think (laughs) (laughs) i guess but it did happen in one of my streams where one of my co-hosts thought it would be a good idea to not mute his mic (laughs) while he decided to eat a packet of crisps no (laughs) he'll be listening to this you know who you are (laughs) And you should know also from me that's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> oh, speaking of pet peeves, one of the other ones is eating noises. Like, I oh. am not about that mukbang life Mm-mm. about that. And do you know what the weird thing is, though? My dog eats really loudly and I don't mind. The way she does it, it's like, oh, that's cute. She's yeah. enjoying it. But if it's literally any other human being, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you have to slurp that yeah. soup. Well, as well, like, at least with pets, it's very much in their nature. They're not, I wouldn't say sentient, but you know, they're not conscious of what they're doing. Humans are fully conscious. I remember I used to work with this guy a very long time ago and he wasn't with the company for very long, but he, oh my God, it was so awful just thinking about it. It's giving me like real bad vibes. But he ate an apple next to me, but he'd bite into it and then suck the apple. And I was like, if you keep doing what you're doing, mate, I'm going to deck you because I just cannot take this. But any human noises (laughs) really bother me. There's literally a guy at my work who, does this thing where he snorts up phlegm so it's very much like a kind of noise right and then about two seconds later he clears his throat so it's a that noise and then it's like a but i mean when i say every five minutes i mean every five minutes and it gets to a point where i end up looking over at one of my colleagues and like my eyes twitching And he still does it to this day. He literally did it yesterday. It bothered me so much that I was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to say something. (laughs) And I don't know what's worse, if I'm honest. Oh, I mean, as someone who works in an office as well, I totally feel your pain there. I had a colleague, and this was years and years ago, who decided that the best course of action, and obviously not naming anything, so we could use a bit. I'm scared where this is going. (laughs) 
he would have his phone full volume for whenever he got a call oh. and he would always have it right up at the top and it was one of these jokey ones you know like very personalized it wasn't just a which I probably dated on the self <laughs> you know it wasn't like <laughs> I just realized when I did that like is that the Nokia <laughs> Yeah, no Gen Zs are going to be able to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> okay, imagine here the apple. I can't even remember the apple. I've got an apple. I don't even remember it. I've always got it in silence. But that's the thing, though. He had it in such a loud thing. And it was like a relatively quiet office. You know, you would have people picking up phones oh. and everything, people chatting, but it was all very calm. And then you would have, boom, something like Christopher Nolan, boom, you know, and it would come out and I'd be like, Oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, you'd be on the phone to someone and then all of a sudden you turn around and I'd be like, okay, how am I supposed to explain this to the person on the phone? <laughs> I don't know. I'll call you back. We've got a streaker in the office. I don't know. That would probably be a better <laughs> excuse than some guy doesn't know how to turn his phone off. And yeah. I was like, oh, God. It could be the Imperial March. It could be worse. Can you imagine being on the phone in a call centre and then someone else's phone goes off and it's the Imperial March whilst you're talking about like prices? <laughs> well, it wasn't far off. That's all I'll say. Oh, no. <laughs> it was Star Wars related, but that's all I'll say. Oh, but, my yeah. God. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm going to think about this for the entire rest of the time we're recording. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll tell you after the oh, recording. Good. I'll tell you. <laughs> Remind me at the end. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. You don't get to know. <laughs> but if you want to get to know, you can listen on <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Jatsunami. Ah, for legal reasons, that's a joke. But <laughs> a semi joke, but if there's enough interest, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, podcasting has been quite a, I don't want to say therapy, that's the wrong word. <laughs> you know, it's become an outlet, I would say. Like, how do you feel about it? Do you feel as if it's quite, I don't want to say relaxing either, but you know, it's quite a nice way to get your creativeness out there. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And honestly, it's the only reason I really started it because I was working in a really corporate position and I very much felt like I was selling my soul every day to going to work. And I was just like, I'm such a creative person in the sense that I did my BA in drama. I did a master's in writing for performance. I'd always wanted to be in the creative industry. And actually my background in my career was all creative and it was West End and all of that kind of stuff. And then I moved into corporate stuff and it was just so draining. And obviously during the pandemic, it was so hard to creatively express yourself anyway and actually to be able to see things creatively. And I'm such a theatre person. I absolutely love going to the theatre and not being able to do that and having to part with Andrew Lloyd Webber's bloody Friday night things where he put cats on for on YouTube it used to drive me insane. I'd be like, I, if I have to watch cats one more time, I'm going to chop out my own eyes. But I think that for me was just like the perfect outlet. But I ended up writing a book, actually. I, I wrote a poetry book in February of 2021. And I thought that would last considerably longer than it did in terms of satisfying that. And it just lasted maybe like two weeks. And I was like, oh, this this really sucks. And I think I ended up getting really into podcasts, which I hadn't before. I was totally very much like, this is all Joe Rogan and I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen to people talking. And then I ended up stumbling upon the McElroy brothers from My Brother, My Brother and Me. And they wrote a book about podcasting. And I was like, I'm going to buy this book just because I like these guys. And the book was so good on how to just generally start and like what gear to get and what expectations to have of podcasting. 
thing. And I was like, this is great. So I'm going to just try it because why not? And when I was searching for podcasts myself, I was finding that I could never find something that was bite-sized and about specifically the monsters. And I don't care about Hercules. I don't care about Theseus. Well, I do care, but obviously to an extent. I've heard all of their stories a million times, but I didn't know anything about these specific monsters. And I was like, "Uh, there seems to be like a really intense niche here for something short that I can listen to on like a bike ride. And that is specifically about the actual monsters in these stories, because they're actually the interesting parts of it. And then I just started and realised that every week it was like I was able to write basically an essay, but in such a colloquial, relaxed way that it was just like, okay, I've got it out. And it's like catharsis. I think. And to this day, I still think it's so cathartic. Once a week, I bash out my scripts and I'm like, oh, I've learned something, but I've managed to write something down and I, I'm happy about it. And it's funny and it's fun. And I think other people like this. And I think that for me is the big win. Views and downloads and all stuff like that. It's all appreciated, but I love being able to do that for myself as well. And the idea that people could potentially be educated and learn something and have fun whilst they're doing it is really important to me. So So I think all of that is why I do it. But the catharsis is truly second to none. (laughs) Sorry, that was the longest answer ever. (laughs) Well, it is a podcast, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) And we did say at the beginning that we're both chatterboxes. So it makes sense. (laughs) Well, if you just said yes. Yeah, that would have been the shortest interview ever. It's like, (laughs) well, thank you for listening to Shatsunami. If you want to listen to more, you know. It's been five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you're getting me sweating now. It's like, oh, God. (laughs) I'm going to spin this out for another 10 hours. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I would never. Oh, I know. <laughs> but out of curiosity, what got you into, and this is probably going to be a very broad question, so apologies, but what got you into choosing Myth and Monsters as a topic in particular? Because I know you said that there was a kind of lack of a niche there mm. for this type of podcast, but what is it about Myths and Monsters in particular that attracted you to the topic? Well, when I was a kid, I loved the idea of fantasy like I've always been really into Lord of the Rings and stuff like that and I think that when you consume that kind of media you end up getting exposed to them anyway but my parents are massive fans of Greek mythology and so I grew up instead of being read traditional fairy tales I was very much fed Hercules and all of these different hero myths and I think that kind of fed into my obsession into them and I ended up getting really into books when I was younger and ended up with a massive library of Greek mythology books and when I was 15 I actually converted to Hellenic paganism and I've realised what an amazing firstly religion that the Greeks had but also everything to do with it just kind of blew up in my mind in a sense and since then it's just kind of been a thing but I love heroes and don't get me wrong I really do and I love all of the mythology about the gods and to this day I'm still thinking about doing potentially a spin-off somewhere and doing like a gods thing, gods and goddesses kind of bite size I think that would be fun but it's that aspect of the whole pantheons and the monsters are the two bits that I absolutely adore about mythology and the 
effect that they have on culture and society even now I think is so underrepresented and I think that really interests me and like being able to pull words out of people's mouths if someone calls someone a harpy they have no concept a lot of the time what they're actually saying or the history behind that word or what that is and I love that kind of stuff where you can go that is come from this ancient mythos that is just completely gone now that civilization doesn't exist but we're still using these terms even something like the kraken is something that's so ancient but most people if you ask them what the kraken was they'll be able to tell you and I love that persistence within culture and society as well as the fact that we have so much history behind that from the place where it's from and I think that's really what gets me going and I just love monsters I love evil things they're all really different stick me down in front of something like Diablo and I'm like oh this is great because I'm in hell and I get to battle demons and I get to be the good guy in this and look at it from a different perspective and I think that's what really draws me in but who doesn't like monsters I think that's the legitimate question is who doesn't like that kind of thing it's so interesting but I have found out that so many people don't care (laughs) that's been something Funny enough, it does remind me of, and this is me going years and years back here, when I was in primary school, I used to have a teacher who, I think this was around primary six or seven, so for non-UK listeners <laughs> out there, about 11, 12 maybe? Yeah. Maybe 10, 11. And he was an interesting guy, but in the sense that we had to do a lot of creative writing with him. So one of our tasks would be every week he would give us four words, and then we would have to write a short story story based around those words which I I just went absolutely ham I was like (laughs) I'm gonna make like this epic story and everything there's gonna be this and that but I always remember one of his stances was he would always bring up dragons for some reason and he would be like dragons are so misrepresented and I always thought well what do you mean for some reason they have an affinity for gold and or princesses and big castles (laughs) or big towers which I I never quite understood but (laughs) they took them up and he was like you know it's such a shame because I I think he was talking about maybe St George was mm. he the one that killed the dragon yeah 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 and he was talking about how you know oh poor dragon you know for getting <laughs> killed and everything it was just such a strange point of view at the time because you know you're a kid you think oh yeah good and evil black yeah. and white the whole oh that's a dragon that's a bad one and you know it wasn't until the epic Shrek <laughs> that <laughs> destroyed those dragon norms would you say I don't know you know what I mean <laughs> you know like it was interesting though to see that jokes aside for the Shrek thing but it was interesting to see that there was that different perspective and you did bring up an interesting point about the almost the evolution of it because and I have to say you probably picked either the right or the wrong person depending on your (laughs) point of view here because I actually studied history and religion in university and I am a nerd when it comes to religious studies and things like that especially the evolution of deities and Mm. by extension the monsters behind that as well and there was like a whole thing about the evolution going from personifying something like the wind or I always remember that actually there was a class we had and they were talking about that personification I can't remember the term for it anyway we were talking about this term and this woman in the class had absolutely no idea what it was and we're all saying you know it's like this it's like this and they're like nope still no idea someone (laughs) turned around and said it's like mother willow impo Pocahontas and she went oh, oh I get okay it. I get it now and I was like Jesus Christ oh god <laughs> oh yeah yeah 
If you're getting across Native American deities with Pocahontas, that's a terrifying reflection, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, even nowadays, if you look at the Greek pantheon, and this is like quite a common argument, though, where Greek deities are more human, I suppose. Yes. Or they're considered more human. And I suppose the equivalent nowadays is superheroes. Yeah. It seems to be such a common thing. So apologies if it's like a milk toast. <laughs> like, no. Oh, no. point to make but yeah it seems to be you've got your marvels your dcs your anything in between that didn't make the cut apologies <laughs> and yeah they're like deified and it's like obviously we know that batman and superman aren't real unless you know you still believe in them in which case <laughs> keep believing but yeah it's just it's interesting to see how they've evolved more in terms of entertainment i mean it's the same with monsters as well because i actually saw a trailer for the new dreamworks film did you see <gasps> oh this? the kraken one right yeah. and the mermaid uh-huh. which is like an actual slander to disney's remake of the little mermaid a hundred percent and i live for that goss <laughs> yeah they're just absolutely <laughs> it's they slammed it. yeah <laughs> it's like that simpsons scene where he's like stop he's already dead he's already dead <laughs> when somebody think of the children, children. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a weird yet amazing film to come out. But it is interesting to see that there are a lot of films like that. Have you noticed that in a lot of, and I say contemporary media, but I mean maybe after the 2010s where, especially for Disney, they take a villain, you know, like a Wicked Witch, a dragon, something like that, and then they turn them good? Yeah, I have noticed that recently. I'm not against it. I just think it's like the remake argument for me, though. It's very much I don't see the point in remaking something just to change one point in it and that kind of always frustrates me but I love the idea of positive representation for things that especially children might find scarier so something like Maleficent to see it from that perspective where in Sleeping Beauty she was this terrifying dragon and the colour scheme for her back in the animated one was that green that purple and that black she was so scary I was scared of the dragon back in the day but now it's like we see Maleficent as this Fae kind of style with the horns and the satyr kind of look with the wings and she's still got that black green colour scheme but she's now perceived as something completely different and actually what I do find interesting about something like Maleficent was that you barely saw the dragon I don't even remember if you do see the dragon in Maleficent and it's like that personification that I have of her in my head from the original was this terrifying dragon and actually what I think they could have spun that even more positively in the dragon favour in the I say remake in her perspective of it and have that dragon be that more positive figure that we've known throughout that entire film rather than just kind of hiding that negative bit about her if that makes sense but you're absolutely right in regards to just with your DC and Marvel point as well the bleed into that has been so interesting to watch and especially with like Thor I find that fascinating and I understand they've been around forever Marvel they haven't been around as long as ancient Greece though So I'm like, it's a bit uninspired, but I'll allow it. I think even with Thor, you've also got Maxi Zeus in DC. And a lot of them are inspired, I think, by gods. But sometimes they do full on pull the exact god straight out of ancient history and plop them in a superhero movie. And I'm like, this is bizarre. And I remember coming out of Thor, can't remember if it was Love and Thunder. I think it probably was. It's the one with Zeus in it with Russell Crowe. The bad one. (laughs) 
I remember seeing that and walking out and and because I'm a Hellenic pagan, I'm very conscious of how the Greeks are portrayed in media. I find that because I know it enough. And I walked out of there and I was like, it's such a cliche portrayal of someone like Zeus. And I get that they are more human and we have got that humanization of them. And that is the intention with these ancient gods. They are meant to be more human. You know, he was a womanizer and he'd impregnate 80,000 different women whilst his wife got really angry about it. You know, we all know this about Zeus, but I think there's so many more little niches and interesting bits about a character like Zeus that instead of portraying this real stereotype and the most basic thing all of us know about the Greek god King Zeus, you could go with something so much more in depth. And I feel like that's what's really missing is the true human expectation of it rather than this stereotyped traditional one. It is a weird thing though in terms of a superhero narrative though because if everybody has superpowers and then those people with the superpowers go against the quote-unquote gods, you know, then what differentiates, you know, the gods in that universe to just a regular superhero? And you're kind of like, well, there's nothing special then about the gods. Exactly. And they end up bringing someone like, I mean, Kang is a great example of this, where he's got like almost godlike powers, but we've already seen the introduction of other gods within this mythos. And also they don't really explain, especially in Love and Thunder, that this was so poorly done in the sense that it was like, oh, we're going to throw in a Greek god to go with this Norse? one and I understand it was like this whole gathering of the gods but I'm like then why is Zeus up there and not one of the Aztec gods? Why is it so this is such a weird dichotomy of collection of boys <laughs> I'm wondering if they're doing the opposite of God of War where you know they started with the Greek pantheon and then they moved on to the Norse. Mm. They're doing the complete opposite <laughs> they're yeah. going from the Norse <laughs> all the way to the Greek. It's like the Benjamin Button of Greek mythology <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> I know that makes no sense, but I'm keeping that in. <laughs> hey, we get it. It's all good. Yeah, you're right. It just it seems weird to say that, oh, we've just got this Greek god. And I think maybe, and this is me being very nice towards said director, <laughs> even though I haven't had nice things to say in the past about him, but I think that maybe it's just because Zeus is recognisable. Yeah, and I think that's the easy thing to do, isn't it? And I love Taika as a character himself. I love what we do in the shadows. I love what he's done in other stuff. I'm quite glad that he's kind of taking a step back from the superhero side now, because I think that's his last one, right, is Thor? I hope so. Oh god, so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so bad. I haven't even seen Love and Thunder. I've just seen the clips from it. It just seems so bad. It's so cringy, mate. You're not missing anything. Because the last one I saw, man, was that Lightyear film, which I have problems about it on its own, but his inclusion as a character just fumbling and messing up and nearly killing them, I'm just like, what is your problem? Yeah, and you know what as well? I think they perfectly did a spin-off to Buzz Lightyear in that cartoon from like the noughties. Do you remember Oh yeah, that? Star Command. That's yep. it. It was so good with the blue alien girl with the red hair. Oh my god, that series was so good and I was like, I'm getting a really in-depth look at firstly Buzz as a person independent of being a toy and being with Woody, but also the whole Star Command thing and why he's so invested in it. I was like, this is literally the perfect series. I remember being so enthralled with it as a kid and I haven't seen Lightyear because I don't want to taint my idea of it in my head. I don't need anything else, Buzz. It's fine. <laughs> 
this doesn't happen. See, if it was its own thing, genuinely, it would be a good film. But it's the fact that they not only slapped it on Lightyear, but they had the gall and the audacity at the beginning to be like, this is the film Andy watched to get into Buzz Lightyear. And uh... by the end of it, you're like, no, it is the <laughs> 110%. <laughs> no, there is no way. You cannot convince me, me, like, acting as a mantra, I'll be like, you cannot convince me that Andy would have watched this and said, I want a Buzz Lightyear, because I wouldn't have. No. If I was a child and saw that film, I would have been like, yeah, it was all right, but... <laughs> You know, like, it's a pretty... This is the thing about these films. It's like, they're pretty. They're nice to look at and everything, but in terms of substance, nah. Yeah, and they do look pretty. Something like Encanto and even the new Aquaman, right? The actual cinematography, the CGI was gorgeous. They were gorgeous movies. But I thought, looking at that Lightyear poster, I was like, he just looks like a thumb that's had a face drawn on it. And I could do that at home with a pen. (laughs) And make up probably a better story than this one is trying to sell me. (laughs) It reminds me of, are you familiar with the Warhammer series? Like 40k. I know a little, but not massively. You know, like the poster childs of like the space marines that they always put out? <laughs> They've got the big bulky armour. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I see that Buzz Lightyear. I'm like, is he going to go and purge a planet for the Emperor <laughs> or something? Oh my god, it is that. Mickey Mouse sitting on the Golden Throne, like saying, <laughs> go on, purge them. You know, it's like, what is going on here? He does, he's just got yeah. that bulky, kind of weird armour. And he doesn't even, you know, spoilers for like <laughs> but he doesn't even put on the iconic armor You're until joking. Like, the very end. No, he <gasps> does. He's technically a space ranger, but he doesn't become a super duper space ranger until the very end. After all the shenanigans that go on, pretty sure he's got like a similar set of armor, but it's not the same. Or I say armor. Sorry, space. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I mean, my head of 42, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it looks tanky though, doesn't it? Now I am picturing it, I'm like, oh my God, he does. And you know what they always remind me of? For some reason, they always remind me of Halo because it's oh, like the yeah. same backdrop. It's like that whole murky, dirty planet, like deserted planet. I'm thinking now of just Buzz Lightyear next to Master Chief. <laughs> well, you're not far off. <laughs> Because literally, I won't spoil too much for you, but the entire premise is Buzz and his crew are stranded on this planet and then they have to work out a way to get off the planet. And I remember that kind of... You know when you watch a film and you just get that sudden realisation of, oh my God, this is where we're going to be spending (laughs) the rest of the film in. And you know, it's not like Inside Number 9, which I don't know if you've seen that show. No. Long story short, they do the same thing where it's like they just have one set yeah. and then they stay in that one location whether it's a house whether it's a stage or whatever but when it's like a multi-million Disney film I was just like really? Yeah. This like barren planet with <laughs> bugger all it's like a high street nowadays it's like there's bugger all here not even a starbucks or a space box whatever you call it but i was like really and it's just so gloomy and oh grim dark and then mm. you've got the comedy and then it's like all of your friends are dead buzz remember Blimey. star command <laughs> remember it was like very campy almost 1950s-esque yeah that kind of i think my friend described it as retro futurism maybe you know yeah. like it was the big helmets big armor and everything they went around they had the silly hornet robot things that came out but that was the fun of it you know that was amazing and then yeah and look at zerg right he's so camp 
He's so action figure back in the, what, 80s that you would get. That really hard plastic that barely moved. And whenever you moved an arm, it would squeak. And you'd be like, I could just pull this off in like a second. And I think that's what gives it its charm. And if you take that away, what's left? Not much. And as she said, it doesn't feel like there's much. Just from what how you've described it, I'm like, it doesn't feel like there's much substance here. And I'm exactly the same in the sense that if I'm stuck on a planet, even something like... I love Star Wars and I really do but Boba Fett and I really did like it but I was like why are we on Tatooine again I swear to god and now every time Mando goes back to Tatooine I'm like why are we on Tatooine again there's nothing here the depressing thing as well is see when you're watching them go to Tatooine I'm like wow what adventures what great whimsy and I'm sitting there thinking back to the Phantom Menace going I wonder if slavery is still legal here <laughs> dealt with that situation yet because they didn't kill Watto as far as I know so like (laughs) is there still these criminal gangs is there still this horrible seedy underbelly you know and yeah as you said you got Boba Fett being like oh this is my home you have literally spent maybe a day here and you got swallowed by a massive gaping mouth in the desert embarrassing have a word with yourself Boba come on how is this your home yeah and they've never gone back to showing us pod racing properly again and I'm like that was probably the most interesting thing about Tatooine was pod racing and maybe Moz Eisley but even Moz Eisley has a limit of how many times I can hear the bloody cantina music without wanting to throw myself off a very dusty cliff so when are we going to get back to that that would be great (laughs) or the whole series on pod racing that would be interesting I haven't watched Phantom Menace I think since I was about 10 and that's it we're around the same age so grew up with them and they're very important and I will always stand by the fact that I still really like the prequels because I grew up with them that is the only reason that is it There's nothing that will make you feel older than looking at kids who are like, oh, I grew up with the Ray Skywalker and Ben Solo. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Poor things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's it. And I imagine our parents who grew up with the 70s and obviously like New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, all of that stuff. They must look at us with the prequels and be like, oh, you poor sods. (laughs) But I'm like, it could have been the sequels. And I'm quite happy with the prequels in this sense. Yeah, I think we got out quite lucky in terms of franchises growing up because I mean you had the prequels you had I don't know like Harry Potter you had Lord of the Rings Rings. how could I forget that Lord of the Rings which (laughs) is perfect yep nothing to complain about absolutely nothing The Hobbit on the other hand oh let's not talk about it let's just pretend it doesn't exist that's what I do (laughs) oh I actually sat down with my partner and we both watched it both trilogies we watched The Hobbit and then we watched the Lord of the Rings one because Lord of the Rings one of course is like about 20 hours I was going to say did you watch the extended ones and the only answer is yes I assume oh absolutely thank goodness I watched the extended ones for the Lord of the Rings but I didn't watch the extended for the Hobbit for obvious reasons that and I don't want to relive that scene that I saw on YouTube (laughs) of Stephen Fry eating a literal testicle of an animal or something oh gross oh it's just yeah it's just where he's like he's talking about the bard or something like that and then worm tongue light or whatever his name is what grima grima uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah the slimy bloke in two yeah, towers that's the one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like what <laughs> 
you've got Rima Light, essentially, beside <laughs> the guy who runs the town. And then it's like, he's saying, oh, the bard is terrible, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole load of... And then, of course, the guy cuts across him and says, bollocks, sir. Yeah, I've got ox and whatever things. And I don't know why it sticks out, but it's between that and the other extended scene I saw, where of all things, and I don't know if you've seen the extended cut, but there's a literal scene where you and Gandalf, he goes to save, I think it's Thorin's dad or something that's been locked up. I don't know if it's in the original one, but it's yeah. like he finds him in the extended one. Is when he meets Sauron for the first oh, okay. time. okay. Yeah, yeah, Or the quote-unquote necromancer, if you want to be <laughs> picky about it. But yeah, he goes there. And there's this really poignant, dramatic scene where Thorin's dad's like, tell my son that I've always been proud of him, blah, blah, blah. And then Gandalf's like, you can tell him yourself. And you know, he's about to fight him off. But then Sauron grabs this dwarf, pulls him in, and I shit you not, they had the audacity to put in the Bohem scream. No! Yes. I mean, very funny, but no! <laughs> funny, but unwarranted. It's like, can you imagine if in the Balrog scene where he's like, you shall not pause, and you know, it slams, and then Gandalf gets pulled down, and they just put in a Wilhelm scream in there. <laughs> That would just ruin the entire tension of the whole thing. I'm pretty sure there's one in Return of the King, though, on Pelennor Fields, yeah, when the troll smacks around and there's one guy that Wilhelm screams. And I always remember being like, I'm so thrown off by this because the only other time I've heard this is in SpongeBob. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just expecting someone to go, my leg! And it never comes, obviously. But I'm just like, this is totally thrown me out. It's such a weird thing to put in. I hate it as well. It's just one of these things that people go, oh, ha, ha, the reference. But, I mean, can you imagine them putting the Wilhelm scream in the charge of the Rohirrim? <laughs> that would just ruin the whole thing. Like, I've seen that scene so many times and it's just so brilliantly done. Yeah. It's just so amazing. Every time I get emotional watching it. But see if one of those riders fell and you just heard the, oh. Or the bizarre who's going into the uh, the gate of Helm's team when he flies off. <laughs> see, it's horrible, but I would like to see a cut of that. Just, oh! And then just, oh. Oh, man. Looks at my coming in the east. <laughs> it's just Gandalf doing the Wilhelm scheme. Why it's in films still, I don't know. I know it's the cheeky nod and, oh, look, we're hip and cool with the memes. And it's like, it's not funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's like with video games, I found this recently. It's like the Jenkins joke gets used a lot. Don't get me wrong, as a WoW fan, it's like my favourite thing to see in a video game. But sometimes it really throws me off and I'm like, I understand him in a video game. Thank you for reminding me. I was playing an Adventure Time game not too long ago and it was just like a point and click investigations one and they had a Jenkins moment in it and I was like, this is really funny, but I feel so disconnected now. And then they've started to do the cow level joke from Diablo in a couple of games the whole cake is a lie thing became a giant thing and I'm just like this is so 2000s humour where people just discovered the internet and everyone thought they were really funny (laughs) we've just not really got over it what 23 years later god that makes me feel well old I don't know I I find it a bit cringe and the Wilhelm scream is the film version of that and that's it Um, as I said every single time it happens I just expect to hear that one fish guy scream my leg (laughs) you're really bringing back memories about like the cake is a lie and things like that. Yeah. I just remember seeing that everywhere. Everywhere. It was so cringy. The one that I hate, though, I have to say, is see when and it's the same with movies 
as well. A lot of horror films seem to do it. Mm. Not that I'm a connoisseur of a lot of horror films, I have to say I'm a massive one. But you do get a lot of horror films that try to prod and talk about their own stereotypes or tropes, rather. Yeah. They talk about their own tropes as if, oh, don't go that way. Oh, you're going to get killed. But for games, there's a lot of games like that where it's like, oh, look, it's a big red flashing bit. You should shoot that. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Oh, that new, oh, what was it called? The Rick and Morty made game. Do you know, I was just thinking that. Yeah. (laughs) High on life? Yeah, that's it? it. The combat was great. I actually really enjoyed the combat. And actually, I liked the concept of the story. But I was like, I'm listening to basically Morty the entire way. And it's just a consistent, oh, you're shooting things out my butt. I'm like, I'm not five. I'm not five. (laughs) See, that's what put me off actually playing the game. Because I've got Game Pass. I could easily go and play it for free. Yeah. But I'm not gonna because I just saw this very and again I'm not the biggest Rick and Morty fan to begin with mind no. you but it's just the whole fact it's oh look this is a video game trope oh you've got to do this yeah. oh yeah it'd be funny if, and it just keeps going on and on and it's like that one person that you've met in your life that has never had contact with another human <laughs> being but plays video games religiously mm-hmm. and they come at you and they say all these jokes like haha Mario eats mushrooms where does Sonic hate his rings oh Link he's a funny guy I have heard these jokes since the dawn of time like you know the <laughs> scene in Narnia where it's Aslan like don't speak these words which <laughs> yeah. I was there when they were written you know that's exactly how I feel now and we're not even that old but like yeah. that is how it feels when you see a lot of these people oh god speaking of that actually I saw a terrible tweet on the Twitter the other day where someone had put like a tweet out or I think it was on TikTok or something where they were saying how they used to hide their DS console under the pillow and everything yeah. and all the comments were like what's a DS? <gasps> what's a DS? Skull no. face, skull face oh my god I hide my phone under there <laughs> this was the icing this was the icing this one I think you actually mean a 3DS god help them if they discover the Game Boy <laughs> that will blow oh. their minds oh man original Game Boy I had a Game Boy Advance which I loved because my cousin had a normal Game Boy and my parents were like no 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 Charlie's got one you can just borrow his I was like no like I want my own and they bought me a Game Boy Advance and it was the silver one with the tribal tattoo pattern on the top do you remember those Mm -hmm. and I was obsessed with the weirdest thing I loved the Shrek 2 Game Boy Advance game it was really hard (laughs) and it was like impossible to beat and I was so obsessed with it and I remember in like 2004 I remember my parents went to Vegas and my nan was looking after us and she would come upstairs and I would be doing exactly that and I'd have the sound down just a tiny bit and it had this like really weird soundtrack and my nan had tuned her ears to the sound of this game and I just remember her like ripping the covers off me and be like put it away I do think it's a real naughty's experience. I really do. And I'm sad that they don't know what a normal DS is. That makes me really sad. Nintendogs. Brain training. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. And have you seen that they did one for the Switch, but it's not called brain training anymore? What's it called? I don't remember. It's like a really, it's not brain training and it really wound me up. It's like something like Big Brain Academy. That's what it's called. It's like that meme, doesn't it? Big Brain move. <laughs> It's not like, you know, you had the little floating head of the guy and you'd do the sums and you'd like 
pull all the numbers together and all of that kind of thing. It's not like that at all anymore, mate. That always wound me up whenever I wrote a number and it <gasps> never registered. Oh. And it's like, you put in the four and, oh yeah, that's a six. I'm like, in what world <laughs> is that a six? Or if you did just normal sevens without the dash in the middle, it would never read it as a seven. And so I ended up over time changing my sevens to be the ones with the dashes through just because of brain training. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> well, no, I'll give you one better. <laughs> I'd always remember, I can't remember where it was. It must have been in school where I would do, you know, the fours joined up, mm. but a lot of people seem to do them almost like a mini, I don't know, fork trident. You know, it's like the two fours sticking up. It's hard to explain in audio <laughs> only, but you know, it was like they did it that way. And then they look at mine as if, oh, you do it that way. You should be doing it this way. And you know, they do the stupid, I mean, they would do the twos that were Oh yeah, or the ands that were like the oh the amber sands, yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh no, this is ugly. <laughs> yeah, I still do the amber sands. I still think, no! Jesus, this is not always <laughs> only in an official capacity. <laughs> That, of course, being and milk. Okay, there's my shopping <laughs> list done. I feel fancy. That's my fancy, Daniel. Give yourself Government a Government documents. <laughs> milk, bread, and yeah. Here's my passport number. <laughs> and my passport number, thank you. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> But one last story I have to say about the Game Boy. I remember I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Glasgow for a Comic-Con and I went up to this stall and they were selling all of these consoles. Oh, right. So, you know, you had ones that we grew up with, mind you, mm. but any younger people would be like, what's that? What's a Dreamcast? What's a GameCube? <gasps> N64. Yeah, N64. Yep. I'm actually looking at the one I've got up there. <gasps> Jealous. I used to have a Pikachu one that was limited edition oh that's so good gorgeous and it had the little switches were pokeballs and it was just the nice and it was blue and then had pikachu on it it was so cool i was gutted when i broke up with my ex and i let him have it and i regret it every day <laughs> you've got to get a crowdfund going yeah <laughs> let's buy another n64 <laughs> I think I got it from like CEX for like 85 quid and I was absolutely chuffed with it. Came in the box and this was in 2018, something like that. So it was pretty old. And then I remember us buying Goldeneye and being like, this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> Sorry, you were talking about your... The, yeah, um, yeah, no, no. Comic-Con. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> I went up just to have a gander and I have to say I was sorely tempted by a few of them, but I thought, no. <laughs> steady your wavering well hand over my wallet. <laughs> I'm like, steady, steady. And I remember this young boy came up to me out of nowhere and he just started he couldn't have been any older than 10 to 13 and he was like I don't know what Game Boy to get and I was like alright I mean there's that Game Boy Colour oh no sorry it wasn't Game Boy Colour it was a Game Boy Advance or the Game Boy SP because it was like I don't know whether to go for the original model go for the SP and I remember explaining to him brushing off the dusty tome and everything <laughs> being like well if you want backlighting then you can go for the SP but if you want just you know the regular one and everything you can go for that but honestly it just aged me several years because <laughs> between that and the time I went to another comic con and there was a huge sign I brought this up before but there was a huge sign that said retro gaming area and I was like oh I can't, I can't wait is this going to oh, be no. like the NES even by a push maybe the N64 you know I thought okay I, I can deal with that I can deal with the N64 I walk in and I kid you not they had an Xbox 360 <gasps> they had a Wii they <gasps> 
had a GameCube. Yep, they had a PlayStation Two, and I was like, "This is lies." How <laughs> dare on a you? Of lies. <laughs> it was awful. I was, oh I was nearly God. in tears. How can this be retro? <laughs> yeah, like I'm sorry, but I remember the Wii coming out. What was it? 2007. I was 11 in 2007, and I remember as well. And I don't know if you remember this when they came out. They were like impossible to get that Christmas. Do you remember it was awful? And I remember my dad driving us around all the Argoses in Essex, literally all of them, and being like, have you got a Wii? Please say you've got a Wii. And we ended up, I think we ended up somewhere in Kent finding like the last one. And it was like a week before Christmas. And it was the biggest day trip I've ever had with my dad, just driving around Essex Argos branches, (laughs) scoring through the catalogue, because you know, they don't have those anymore. That's retro too. And the little pencils, just churning through those and trying to find a Wii that year for Christmas was a nightmare. And then in comparison, when the Wii U came out, which I will have no slander against the Wii U, I think is a great console, but no one was interested in it. And it was just like, eh. Yeah, I have to admit, I would say I'm a pretty big gamer, but in terms of the Wii U, I just, I had no idea what it was. Genuinely, I was like, is it an extension? Is it a new console? Was it what? And by the time it had its moment in the sun, that was it. It was gone. And I was yeah. like, Right. But actually, speaking of CEX, I did see a local CEX that does have one of those special edition Wii U's, so Ooh. I'm just thinking, maybe, maybe. They're great. They're really good. I remember buying one and being obsessed with the fact that they had Batman Arkham Origins, which is obviously the weakest of the Batman games, and I don't like to use it in canon of the Arkham games. But that one had, you would like pull the little tablet up and do detective mode on the tablet instead of on the screen. And it was so cool. And you unlocked the game when you like turned it on in the start menu with your fingerprint on the screen and obviously it didn't read the fingerprint it just read that you were touching the screen but it was so cool and I remember being like oh this is the coolest console I've ever had you're you're not wrong to be fair (laughs) it was sick Going back to what you were saying about the Wii there, I actually do remember, of all things, and I have no idea why, but for some reason they were importing them from Germany, I think. Yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah. Christmas 2006, 2007. I do remember that vividly because I never got one <laughs> at the time, but one of my friends got it and he had to get it imported from Germany. And I just, I, I can just imagine these shady cargo ships coming out of the mist <laughs> just with all these Wii's on it. And you know, you got the guy dressed up like an extra in Casablanca I'm going to be like, you got the goods? Yeah, get the wheeze on board. In a really thick German accent. Yeah. <laughs> For legal reasons, I'm not going to attempt that. <laughs> Maybe off recording, but not. <laughs> and if you want to get that, sign up to the Patreon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, this is the content you guys are missing out on. <laughs> gosh yeah they were crazy times the noughties i do miss them <laughs> oh you and me both to be fair you and me both <sighs> simpler times my friend <laughs> this is gonna age me up as well and i keep saying this in episodes i really should stop <laughs> i'm not that old i've just crossed the threshold into the 30s so i'm not that old <laughs> but i always remember scrolling through tiktok and i'm gonna be honest i hate using tiktok i know it's a thing that people need to use to like promote the podcast and everything but I just I, I don't like it I'm too old for it you know <laughs> my, my hips going I can't <laughs> Can't dance the way I used to, you know. Not that I do that content, but the fact <laughs> is, I've seen a lot of weird 
videos or rather weird comments of these kids who are Gen Z or Gen something. And you know, they're like, oh, I don't like millennials. Oh, this is such a millennial thing to do. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When did our name become an adjective here? Come on. (laughs) What is going on here? But... Apparently so. Yeah, we are a target of scorn amongst the younger generations. Wonderful. Absolutely. Add that to the pile of things I have to worry about. Oh, don't. I remember when they were talking about that skinny jeans were like relics. I was like, I've never not worn a pair of skinny jeans. I don't think I'll ever not wear skinny jeans. I'm sorry, I'm not wearing flares. You have to kill me first. But it's stuff like that and like, oh, and the emo fringe. They were like going off about the emo fringe. I was like, you weren't there, man. You weren't there during My Chemical Romance's heyday. I remember seeing a guy in who went into HMV for some reason not too long ago because we still have one where I am which is mad and a kid picked up a Black Parade album and I was like truly that Narnia moment I was there when it was written (laughs) I saw them during Danger Days and I remember all of this I remember crying when Gerard Way announced that he was having a baby because I was so in love with him in 2008 being absolutely devastated and then when MCR broke up in what was it 26 no 2013 I remember being absolutely devastated and I was like no one will ever understand the emo thing unless they were there that was such a end of noughties 2010s era was emo and I feel like that one will just be lost forever even grunge is making a comeback I feel like emo just never will Well, then again, you say that, but there's been a couple of times where I've been to shopping centres and things like that. I have seen like a weird, this is going to sound like a really weird out of context (laughs) clip. This sounds more like, you know, when you're scrolling through YouTube shorts or something like that. (laughs) Listen to me talk about the youth, but I saw this group of kids going by, or teenagers rather, and they were wearing very 90s clothes, you know, like the denim jackets and everything. Mm. Some wearing the very multicoloured tracksuits I just I looked over and I was like did I travel back in time like is this a Star Trek thing have I just you know have I stumbled through HMV and then at the end of it there's like a portal to the 90s what is going on here but no it seems to be very I loathe to say fashionable to be (laughs) retro because yeah 90s early 2000s I would say I would probably fit more to the early 2000s but even still I was still around for the 90s (laughs) and it was not fashionable was it no let's be honest we were not fashionable (laughs) to be fair it was better than the 80s i'll give it that yeah that's also true that's also true i mean how they thought they'd get away with those big shoulder pads why was that a look why would you want shoulder pads i've never understood this unless you're a rugby player i don't get it my sister is she's 20 and she's really into the hippie look and she's obsessed with the 70s dress and i'm just like i don't know how this has come back and how you've gotten into it and she's the only one in like her friend group who dresses this way and i'm like how has this happened and considering it's not a fad and it's not something that's come back you just kind of picked it up and i respect it but i'm also like i'm slightly terrified of you (laughs) i have to say there's been a couple of adverts that you know when you're scrolling through and you get the adverts of loads and things like that you see quite a lot of them that are targeting the kind of retro look Mm. you know there's a lot of them i have seen right enough where it is very 60s 70s very bright and colorful and obviously not everyone's like that i mean (laughs) i'm boring as it is i just wear jeans you know (laughs) things like that are they skinny no they're not no no that's why I go to the gym. No. 
<laughs> you don't go to the gym and have skinny jeans to buy. <laughs> but I don't want to say, you know, it's like an overwhelming problem or, you know, this wave of younger people being more out there with the fashion, which is great, though, that they're doing that. And as long as they don't go for the worst parts of the fashion, because what I am glad, I have to say, is see when you see celebrities that just look like absolute idiots. Yeah. I'm glad that never catches on dressed and head to toe and God knows what or <laughs> missing this and that and you're like you must be freezing yeah Met Gala looks I'm like you must be so uncomfortable you poor thing you are literally a slave to fashion and this is never going to translate into something that normal quote unquote normal people will wear it's just maddening I mean not the worst one I mean the worst one was probably was it Sam Smith that was at the gala or was that another Uh, thing he was at he did something yeah you're right yeah he was like dressed in I don't even know what you call that where he looked like a massive balloon oh that one yeah (laughs) But yeah, he has had very weird <laughs> fashion things. But I have to admit, I have seen a relative, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan or anything, but I'm a relative fan of Pedro Pascal, the guy who plays the Mandalorian and everything. And Oh, hon, don't get me started. Oh, <laughs> He's a great actor because I've seen him in the, oh, what's that film called? The one with Nick Cage. Immeasurable Talent, something like that. Oh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that's it. That's the one, yeah. Yes. I mean, he was great in that. He was great <laughs> so in Mandalorian. Good. He was great in The Last of Us. They were all fantastic roles. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing his thing in the Met Gala and they they all said, oh, he's slaying the look, blah, blah, blah. He's doing this, you know. I don't know. But, you know, I looked at it and I thought, oh, that doesn't look so bad. No. But the problem with me was I was looking at it from the waist up. I didn't realise when they zoomed <laughs> out he was wearing the shorts. This just looks like, you know, when you learned about the Victorians <laughs> in school and you saw, like, the weird uniforms they would give the boys where it'd be, like, the shorts, the high mm-hmm. socks and everything and just give them, you know, the wheel with the stick and they just hit <laughs> Along to give him one of them. He would not look out a place in a Victorian time thing. Put him yeah. in Bridgerton or something. I mean, I know that's not Victorian times, but you know. You know what, though? If it was done in the summertime, I'd be like, you know what? That's a well good way to get around wearing a suit, like a full oh, body suit. But I was like, and I get the whole theme. I think the theme this year was Carl Lagerfeld, who was not a very good person. And I'm not entirely sure. And I love Pedro. I really do. But I'm like, I don't know how far I like the fact that we're celebrating someone who is just awful and it's probably not the worst thing in the world that he is no longer on the planet but it's I don't know I thought it was weird but I did like the look his hair is always done immaculately which I will oh my god he's just so handsome I remember seeing him in Game of Thrones obviously eons ago now it feels like and being like who is this man (laughs) and then him never coming back until Mando and it being like oh there's this guy and we never see his face but he's got quite a sexy and he always says bedroom voice I'm like, yeah, this is quite good. And then he was in a whole, well, he was in a whole load of stuff, wasn't he? Everyone's Pedro mad now. I've actually got one of those really lame montage shirts with the big name with Pedro on. And I wear it to work sometimes and everyone's like, oh God. But I will also say that my two screens at work are the Nick Cage and the Pedro in the car. (laughs) And I get so many comments on it as people walk past my desk. That is amazing. (laughs) Took me ages to figure out how to, considering I'm in tech took me ages to figure out how to split the two screens into two different screensavers and when I did I was like this is the best thing I've ever done and the best time I've ever wasted 
Speaking of that exact scene, I was so disappointed when I was seeing that on TikTok, YouTube, you know, the meme of it. With the music. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so disappointed when that music wasn't in the I actual know. film. But I remember, of all things, my partner and I were in a Waterstones, and we're just looking at books, and then that exact <laughs> song came on. <laughs> You know, my girlfriend looks at me as if, and then that cage look as if, what are you doing? And I'm looking at her with the Pedro face, like, ah, it's a song. Oh, it's so perfect funny. opportunity. It, it couldn't have been any more perfect, to be honest. And it was such a stupid film. It was like the perfect film for both of them to be in and just completely let rip. And obviously I know that it was a Nick Cage being John Malkovich kind of moment for him. But it was so silly. And I can't say it was the best film in the universe. It definitely wasn't. But it was so stupid. The bit with the wall. I'm sorry, you're not going to make it. And he's like, it's okay, Mr. Cage. And he just walks around. He's like, hi. And they're just off their nut on LSD as well. I feel as if that's the second film recently with Nick Cage that I've absolutely adored, because the other one being that Willy's Wonderland. I thought you were going to say Renfield with Nicholas Holt. Oh no, I haven't seen that one I haven't either, but I've heard really good things. But no, this one's about, people keep comparing it to Five Nights at Freddy's, because it's literally Nick Cage is just, he breaks down in this town, and the townsfolk trick him into they say we'll fix your car for you for free if you clean out this Chuck E. Cheese-esque because we don't really have these animatronic restaurants in the UK do we? No and I don't think we've ever had anything like that and even like our theme parks like even the crap ones on like the seafront I don't really remember us ever having anything like that even like somewhere like Blackpool I can't think of animatronics being a big thing over here but apparently they're massive in like Australia as well but they freak me out and actually the the worst ones is the underwater ones. They really scare me. They really, really scare me. <laughs> I think it's called submanicophobia, something like that. They proper scare me. And even like the Jaws ride at Universal where obviously the shark would come up and like, because if you fall in, that's all you see. No, thank you. Absolutely not. <laughs> No, I think I'll pass on that as well. Yeah. <laughs> what you've said. But yeah, it's essentially just him fighting off these, yeah, just these animatronic orders. But it is so over the top. It is, just, it is brilliant. You've got other characters, like, you know, the cannon fodder teens that break in and, oh, they're going to do this. And, oh, they get picked off one by one. And yeah. that cage is just going to town beating up these machines. <laughs> I think it's still on Amazon Prime. I could be wrong. I'm going to have to watch that because I love the whole... I've never played Five Nights at Freddy's because it freaks me out, but I love the lore and I've read up about it like nobody's business and I'm so excited for that movie. I'm so excited. And especially, I can't think of his bloody name, Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. That guy is playing like the main antagonist and I'm like, this is going to be so good. And I think it's Josh Hutchkinson from The Hunger Games is playing the main guy. And I think it's going to be so cool. But, We've learned our lesson with video game films over the years. And I think Mario is probably the maybe three time exception to the this is okay for a video game movie. <laughs> We've had a somewhat renaissance for them. Like mm. you had Detective Pikachu, which wasn't too bad. Yeah. The Sonic films were pretty good. And now you've had the those. Mario one. Oh, they are so good. <laughs> They're so stupid. Jim Carrey's perfect for that as well. <laughs> I love him in there. I have to admit, when I went to see them, I was probably one of the, except for the parents, probably the <laughs> oldest one there, just yep. sitting there being like, oh, yes, just me and my girlfriend going on a night out. Don't mind us, yeah. I did exactly the same thing with my partner. We went and we were the only adults there. It was really embarrassing, but we were so into it. <laughs> 
It was so funny because I was sitting beside this mum and her son. There was this scene where I think either Sonic or I think Eggman, sorry, he flosses. And then the wee boy got up and he started just flossing in the middle of the thing. And you could just, you could feel the embarrassment from the mum. She just was like, sit down, sit down. And I was like, oh my God, that is so funny. I absolutely love them though. I I think it's good now that we're getting better video game films rather than what we've had in the past with your Street Fighters. I I do enjoy Street Fighter, but not in the way of, oh, it's a faithful adaptation, you know. Yeah. That's at least goofy fun, but, you know, you've got your Alone in the Darks, your Blood Rain, your Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. Silent Hill, that's a strange one. (laughs) It's a source of contention, isn't it? It's like, mmm. The first one, they went all out and they were like, oh, we're going to make this like a gritty, weird horror. But then for the second one i just out of curiosity i watched it it was amazingly bizarre oh (laughs) god it's like hey how can we make pyramid head more terrifying let's get him into this duel with the main monster of this film it's like pyramid head Uh uh-huh you're gonna get him into a sword fight with another monster yeah i've definitely watched one of them and annoyingly and this is so ridiculous i watched it at a tattoo parlor whilst being tattooed and i was like this is the worst thing to put on while someone's getting tattooed because if i jump i'm screwed i'm gonna end up with like a really weird thing going on and it was the one with the nurses so i don't know which one that is but it was all over the place i was like what is going on in this movie i know there's like a scene in the second one because i'm pretty sure kit harrington of all people yes in the second one yeah yeah Yeah, god it must have been that was a strange one What annoys me, again, I'm not really a big Silent Hill fan. I'm one of these people that I watch the videos about it on YouTube and I'm like, oh, this lore is really interesting, Mm -hmm. but I'm too much of a want to go out and actually play it. I'm the same. (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching it and it's just how over the top I'm using this very nicely the nurses were. And I'm looking at the designs of them and I'm thinking, I think that they got the wrong impression of every single monster, including the where it's like in what world is sexy asylum chic (laughs) on the bingo card oh we want you to be this nurse with no face and oh you're going to stab them with the needles and everything and you're going to twitch horribly (laughs) and your baps are out But your baps are out. Yeah, we got to get that. And you've got stockings and garters on. <laughs> oh, yeah, like any asylum nurse apart <laughs> in America. Although I have to admit, something that I did laugh at was when I was watching it as part of research for an episode that hopefully will come one day because <laughs> I did. I watched it for research on an episode and then we never got around to recording it. So I was like, I hope to God that we do get around to it because I have so much <laughs> to say. But I remember listening to and they were saying oh Silent Hill and they took the mystery completely out of it when they said located in West Virginia oh for god's sake (laughs) yeah so it's like the only two things I know about West Virginia is well Silent Hill and Country Road yeah (laughs) so they're going into Silent Hill and all you can hear is Country Road <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, what was your thinking? <laughs> Just turning around to them going, okay, you've got the nurses with, to borrow a phrase from yourself, the baps out. You've got <laughs> country roads going on on the other side. What 
is this? It is a bizarre film. Some very interesting design choices, but then others you're like, this is made for a very early 2000s audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these gamer boys that have never left their houses. <laughs> Much like Silent Hill, they're trapped in their own basement of the spare room. <laughs> The only thing is the poster of said nurses, of course, but it's like, oh, I see you're a Silent Hill fan, and they're like, Silent Hill fan? I just love nurses with no faces. What would be your ideal movie out of a video game, out of curiosity? What do you want to see adapted? Well, glad you asked that, (laughs) because Sonic's already off the list. Pokemon's off the list, so I'm like, okay, two of my childhood franchises there, done and dusted. Mario, not really got as much of a fondness, so it's like, ah, that's fine. One of the ones I really want to see, and it's been in development for ages, but I don't know if they've actually started developing it or making it, but one that I actually played recently and apologies if this sounds so bloody niche being like oh it's this indie game but I really got into an indie game called To The Moon oh yeah have you heard of it I've heard of it but I've not played it oh it made me cry that's all I'll say genuinely I remember I got it out of the Humble Bundle ages ago I love those oh I love them I remember in university when I first heard about them I thought this is a scam there's no way what you pay (laughs) you give to charity there's no way and then my friends did it and I was like okay I'll try it I tried it loved it now I have a big backlog but one of those games was To The Moon and I was always told oh it's a very emotional game and I was like yeah sure it is and of course it wasn't until maybe the start of the year if not last year that I started playing it and then I loved it so much that I just went out and bought the other sequels I was like no I gotta gotta play these because it tore my heart out and just like put it back in gently I was like this is so beautiful and I was so glad that I played it now as more of an adult rather than back then because I think if I played it then in university I wouldn't have appreciated it as much but by the time you get to the end you're just like it's so beautiful (laughs) that's how I felt about uh, Ori and the Blind Forest of course I sobbed and you know what I've never played it because I did the first the opening sequence of the first game and I cried no word of a lie for about 45 minutes and I couldn't bring myself to play the rest of the game and so i've never played it <laughs> i've always been like no nope, i'm good <laughs> oh i know when a game gets you like that it mm. just it catches you off guard completely yeah. i mean the only other one that happened to other than the sequels i mean that got me as well when there's been a few others but i mean even gears of war 3 i remember one of the characters in that got killed off mm. and the way they did it for a game about big muscly men shooting <laughs> aliens that just got me i was like oh my god how manly yeah. tears just like oh <laughs> But I've got no shame to say that To The Moon, I was just sobbing. It's just such a beautiful game. And I would love to see that as a film or as an adaptation. It'd be so fascinating to see how they did it. But they've been saying it for ages that they are going to do it. And I don't know if they're going to do a CGI one or if they're going to do it live action. Because it's not too over the top that they could do it in live action. But yeah, no, that would definitely be mine. But what about yourself, though? There are two. So one, the same as you... I think it's been in development forever, but it's Bioshock. I think Bioshock would make an amazing, not movie, but a series would be really, really cool. Using that world, oh my God, could you imagine Rapture on the big screen? Oh, so that and Edith Finch. (gasps) 
Yes, absolutely. Imagine. Oh, because that's already practically point and click. It's a walking simulator of some kind. But the story in that is so gorgeous. I remember I only played it semi-recently and I didn't cry, but I was like, this is so emotionally driven and so well written. And all of the different stories of her family members, you're like, this is such a gorgeous piece of storytelling that this could perfectly be. You could take it as it is and pop it on the screen. It's such a gorgeous game it would be those two <laughs> oh no Edith Finch is fantastic I always remember one of my friends had said for an episode oh do you want to do Edith Finch and I was like oh yeah sure I guess and I knew nothing about Edith Finch I went in completely blind I just knew it was more of a walking simulator yeah and I was like right okay fair enough which I feel as if the older I get the more inclined I play <laughs> games yeah, like that me too i mean i'm playing that as i said to the moon finding paradise and the imposter factory they're kind of part of the same one coffee talk love that you literally just make someone a coffee <laughs> and listen to their day it's you know that joke in the simpsons where it's like martin prince is playing i don't know what he's playing he's playing this game where two guys are talking and there's like an option in the game to tell you more and he just pushes the control up and he's like tell me more <laughs> That's how I feel nowadays. I'm like, tell me more. Yeah. Unpacking as well. That's another one I loved. Oh, I love it. So satisfying. I'm like, oh yeah, I want to unpack this. And then when she moves in with her boyfriend and he makes her hide all of her stuff and then the next one she's left him and I'm like, yes! (laughs) Can I admit quite an embarrassing fact? You always can. So I was playing it and, okay, spoilers for the quote-unquote twist of it here, so maybe skip ahead about 30 seconds but I honestly didn't realise initially that the main character, you know, after she splits up with her boyfriend and mm. then she gets together with her girlfriend, I genuinely just thought she had double the clothes. <laughs> initially I was like my god how many pairs of pants do you have why am I packing so much and then I realised when there's the couple stuff I was like oh <laughs> she's got a girlfriend oh that makes so much more sense she's not a hoarder oh okay I'm sorry who folds their underwear like that not me who folds underwear who doesn't just chuck them in a drawer and go yeah I'll just like ruffle through them shirts and stuff I get it but pants I'm sorry what is wrong with you <laughs> but it's the way it's just like yeah like, let's just have a bundle of them and just really you've done this thousands of times over yeah <laughs> and the amount oh my god the amount of times where something was slightly out of place oh. and it kept flagging up and i was like i don't care if your salt shaker's on the ground i want to move on with the story <laughs> no you have to put it in a normal place oh i'm sure someone in the world <laughs> it's the university degree where you've moved in with the boyfriend and it makes you put it under the bed i was yeah. like oh my because i went and i distinctly remember this i put it in the bathroom like above the toilet because there was like a really nice little space for a photo or something i was like that looks nice and it just would not let me move on and i was like what is causing this went to the bathroom and it was like flagged and i was like oh okay i guess i'll put it on the wall in the bedroom it was like nope nope on the bed nope nothing and i was like oh my god you want me to put it under there oh my god how awful <laughs> it's just such clever storytelling mm-hmm. without... without anything oh yeah. yeah this boy is not good for you honestly the amount of notes you can get from these games because going back to you to finch i remember i played through it the first time and i was like this is a great 
great game. Absolutely fantastic. Then I went through it a second time, and I kid you not, I think I, and this is no joke, I genuinely put up the notes on Patreon, but I actually have two full pages on my phone worth of notes where <laughs> I was just like, is the Garan the bad one? You know, why has she got all of these tree trunks that have been cut up? You know, yeah. is she like preemptively wanting to paint them? What's the symbolism behind, I think it's Walter, the one who lives underneath? Yes. His grave, you know how it's like his grave, he's got a statue of himself yep. looking out to the sun and on the one hand you can see that as he's accepting his peace and everything but on the other hand I was saying to my friend, well does that also mean that that symbolises he's always trapped on that particular place? He can never leave the house both in death and in life and everything and there was just so much of that. I was scanning everything, you know, I, I was just like, <laughs> there's going to be a clue. You know, I was even scanning, yeah. I think it's Lewis his game console is very much related oh, to yeah. Alice in Wonderland and you know the whole idea of him imagining all these fantastical scenarios which spoilers turns out very less fantastical by the yeah. end of it and it's a beautiful game it's just apologies yeah. I could talk about it for ages yeah so could I oh it's just such a good game I was always convinced as well that the monster was going to come back because you start with that monster and it is scary like the concept of it and the way she narrates it is really scary and then obviously you've then got the sister the older one with the halloween strip barbara is it yeah and i was like this all seems to be like there's a monster in the house and then there's Walter who's dreaming about it and obviously saw the younger sister get taken in with it I was like this monster's going to come back and the whole game I was really on edge <laughs> I was like this monster's going to get me and you're walking through like a silent house you're like no thank you <laughs> I mean I suppose it's like have you ever played Dear Esther? No I think it started out as a mod for Half-Life maybe it's like the same engine but literally it's a literal walking simulator you walk from house to house and it has got a creepy vibe but I think think barn maybe one jump scare nothing happens yeah you know you just kind of sit there and you're like oh i'm walking across the aisles that look very similar to scotland or ireland i could <laughs> go out and do this myself why am i yeah why am i bothered about this game? <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> But on that note, I feel as if that's a fantastic place to leave off, mind you. (laughs) Yeah, what a lovely way to finish as well. So Erin, thank you so much for coming on Chatsunami to talk about all things monsters, games and (laughs) yeah, thank you so much. A pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Before we wrap up, where can these lovely listeners at home find your content? They can find it on all streaming services under Myth Monsters and we also have a website mythmonsters.co.uk where you can find all the resources all of the links as well and obviously you can find me on patreon buy me a coffee all of those kind of donation type style websites but if you ever have a suggestion for monsters twitter is the place to find me as chatsy would tell you that is where i live if you ever want a monster specifically reach out and more than happy to have a chat about it so yeah thank you and i would just echo that please feel free to check out myth monsters on Twitter because I have seen quite a few of your pictures as well with the Audrey 2 in the background and everything. <laughs> My weekly little update. Yeah. I feel as if I think that's probably what drew me to your show in the first place because you posted that <laughs> and I remember you were saying, Oh, I've got a new episode at the time, and I was like, Is that Audrey 2? <laughs> 
it's technically not. I got it from TK Maxx in the Halloween section, but she's affectionately known as Audrey 3. And she's very chill. She's currently got a cat witch hat on her for not Halloween, but you know me, I'm very much into that. So uh, yeah, she's my little guardian of my announcement board each week. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you just blink, then it is probably going to be Halloween soon. God, please. This would be so good. <laughs> And then we'll get rid of the hot weather as well. Is How lovely. Like, oh, one day, oh, one day. We can only dream. <laughs> I'll say a wee prayer after this episode. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to check out more content from ourselves at Chat Tsunami, you can check us out on our website, podpage.com forward slash Chat Tsunami, as well as all good podcast apps. You can also, and this is real, I swear to God, this wasn't made up for the episode. You can check us out on patreon.com forward slash chat tsunami where you can get a look into exclusive content as well as early access to episodes. So please feel free to check that out. I also want to give a huge shout out to our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the channel. But until then, thank you all so, so much for listening. Stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hello and welcome to Myth Monsters. I'm Erin, a self-confessed mythology addict and occasionally scholar. Myth Monsters focuses on the monsters of global folklore and mythology, with sometimes a cryptid thrown in once or twice. We go from looking at jackalopes to gorgons to wendigos to Bigfoot, from dwarves to elves, and honestly, everything in between. Why should I listen to this podcast over any other mythology podcast out there? Well, we're only 15 to 20 minutes long, so we're perfect in time for your little commute. And also, we focus on a different culture and monster every single week, a real in-depth look into modern media, where they're found in films, TV, video games and books, and also the origin, description and if I believe they existed. So it's perfect for any short trips or if you're into any specific monsters that you fancy. So come join the fun every Thursday and stay spooky, babes. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with their all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.